Welcome to episode 11 of the Outside Zone podcast. This is Zach. I've got Alex with me. It is Sunday, July 9th. Alex, how you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, Fourth of July past us now. Um, fun week, but now uh, we're really kicking in. We're almost less than a month from people coming back for training camp. So we are slowly but surely creeping our way back to football. Thank God. Yes, I was doing a little countdown, uh, previewing a little bit of this episode, uh, just the amount of weeks that we have until the NFL season. So it seems like there's about eight or nine, technically. So nice. um, just about nine weeks out. So And nine, yeah. seven Saturdays until college football comes back. Don't have to tell me twice. Uh, yeah. I cannot wait. Yeah, we'll definitely have to touch on some college football in these next coming weeks just because I think it's going to be a great season. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited. Well, for this episode, we were talking about doing a breakdown and talking about how far we are out on the season. Uh, Absolutely fits into place as there's eight divisions in the NFL. And we will be going through in these next eight weeks, nine weeks, and ranking the teams in every division. So that should put us right up to the beginning of the season which works out quite well. I do want to start off, though, and just address one minor error that was made in the last episode. It was on my behalf. I had mentioned with DeAndre Hopkins, uh, I had it mixed up when he was drafted with Brandon Cooks. Uh, I had said Hopkins had played one less year than Brandon Cooks, but it is the other way around. Mm. Brandon Cooks has played one less year than DeAndre Hopkins. So just wanted to address that before we roll into it. That's really, big, like of you, to... really, that's really big of you, Zach. Thank you. That's really big of you. Always like to catch those little errors if and when they do occur. But without further ado, let's roll into the rankings for the divisions. And it was at your suggestion that we start at the AFC South due to the potential mediocrity, if not poor quality of the division. Good place to start talking about teams that uh, are just interesting. I think there's... Honestly, to me, it's a very interesting division. I did not want to get cute with it, though, and I am going to start my ranking with the Jacksonville Jaguars and put them number one in the division. Coming off a season in which they won the division, kind of took it at the end of the season, uh, took hold of it rather. After coming off of a year last year, they were coming off of a year that was just so bad under Urban Meyer. So it was really great to see them pull it all together with Doug Peterson, uh, just an exceptional talent in Trevor Lawrence. They have, in my opinion, a really dynamic running game. I like what they've done in the draft. Always been a fan of Travis Etienne as well. Now you add Kelvin Ridley, who we've talked about a bit, can allow their other receivers to assume more complementary and natural roles. I was looking at the numbers and between Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, and Christian Kirk, uh, collectively, they all amassed about 300, more than 300 targets, all at around 100 each. So I just feel like that's going to shift a bit. Yeah, good offensive line, not elite. I will say, though, um, it feels like there may be an injury or two away from becoming a liability. So for the offense, definitely a lot to look forward to. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, not much else to say about the Jaguars. Um, that should be everybody's top team in that division. 
and the rest of the, the rest of the division, you know, a lot of it could some of it's just young or it's just not good. But uh, yeah, Jaguars number one for me as well. Yeah, and I will say there was a few things that caught my eye. Um, the schedule makers seem to feel the same way as they put on the Jaguars schedule games against Kansas City and Buffalo. So that should be really fun. Potential mm-hmm. previews for playoff games. Um, but yeah, you know, we touched on the offense a little bit. I will say for the Jaguars, uh, early reports coming out of camp are that Caleb on Chasen is looking improved, which is good um, because I think, you know, for as much as they put into that defense last year between the draft and free agency, it wasn't the strongest. Um, and I think Trayvon Walker, too. You know, he's got to take a big step forward because Aiden mm-hmm. Hutchinson looked damn good. And yep. Sauce Gardner looked exceptional. So to justify being picked over those two guys, I think uh, Trayvon Walker really needs to step it up this year. Yeah, big year for him. Um, big year for that defense. Uh, they've been kind of retooling here and there since they traded away Ramsey a few years ago. And uh, now you expect them to be good and hold their weight as this team makes their way to continue to be a contender in AFC. Yeah, and I will say, I mean, I think for as for as easy as it is to be optimistic about the Jaguars, I do think there is a world in which, you know, they could regress slightly. In my mind, the rest of the division has made considerable improvements in various ways. So they seem like a pretty strong lock, but I do think that it's not out of the realm of possibilities to see them maybe have the division stolen from them. But if I had to put my money down, I would say Jacksonville is going to take the AFC South. I will send it over to you and ask you who your second-ranked team in the division is. Before I do that, one last thing about the Jags. You are so on the money because they they are – I mean, it could be a Trevor Lawrence injury away. It could be just that classic Jacksonville luck where you have this great year. You think you're finally going to turn that corner for, like, an extended period of time, and then you just fall back on your face. Could definitely happen. It's happened to him more than once. So that'll be uh, interesting to see for sure. But for my second ranked team in that division, um, I most people would probably go to Tennessee. I'm going to go with Houston, actually. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> I have Houston too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go Houston just because they have, to me at least, I thought they've really crushed this offseason in, in terms of like, all right, we added two premier guys to on each side of the roster. So, like, sure, there might be growing pains this year, but I think they set themselves up to have a, the biggest leap in terms of, like, wins from last year to this year because uh, they really only need a decent season from Stroud. Stay healthy. Show you're the guy. Um, and, I mean, they could easily get – they could jump probably to six or seven wins if everything goes to plan. So I agree 100%. Um, all – to every point that you made, I think from the coaching staff to just the way that the organization has handled and approached this rebuild, which has felt like kind of a long rebuild, which they do take time. But this seems like the year where they really got serious. They were really calculated. I do like the coaching hires coming from San Francisco. You know, you've seen it in New York, too. It didn't immediately flip for the Jets. But I think having a coach that comes from a well-run organization like the 49ers. I I think it's a good hire. Uh, the offensive coordinator as well comes over from San Francisco. 
And yeah, I mean, some of the young guys, even that they got last year, I think Derek Stingley makes a nice step forward, Jalen Petrie, um, and just some of the free agent signings, low risk, high upside, guys that approved it elsewhere, Desmond King, Sheldon Rick, Sheldon Rankins, even Shaquille Griffin. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think that they have a nice mix of guys that the ceiling might not be like super high, but I do think that the floor got raised considerably. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, great way to put it. And yeah, I mean, just even the offensive line to um, CJ Stroud. Um, Still Loremi Tunsil. So yeah. I mean, he's... Trade... sorry, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. The trade for Shaq Mason too. And they even drafted a center pretty early. So um, they're really investing. And I think, You've seen it around the league. Building an offensive line, I mean, whether it materializes for you right away or not, a lot of the best teams have good offensive lines. Correct. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think, yeah, just between the pieces, even on offense, too, I'm really curious to see how John Mechie does. Um, so I think they really have what it takes, and they even get Tampa Bay and Arizona. Um, they get the NFC South on rotation. So I really do think, uh, to your point, too, there's absolutely a – a world in which they win six, seven games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the only way it's truly like a failure for them this year is if they do end up with like the number one pick and they just don't have it because they gave it to Arizona. So um, that could, but if it's like, I don't know, if you can get up to like maybe 10 through 15 in that range um, and you lose that pick, it's not as big of a loss. It probably just proves you did the right thing because if that happens, it means you found your guy in the quarterback. And you probably got a stud on defense with Will Anderson. So, um, so true. If, if they hit on both, they're not going to care if they lose one first round pick. So, and Lord knows they could still make plenty of moves, trade somebody to get another first round pick. You never know. So, so true. That is, that is absolutely true. All right. Well, since you took my number two, um, I will send it over to you for number three. Who you got? I am going to go with Indy. Yeah, uh, Tennessee's at the bottom for me. Uh, Indy, they just, they're too talented to keep being as bad as they've been. <laughs> and I don't know, I, I think if Anthony Richardson pans out, like you probably have the most upside of quarterback in the division, Sands Lawrence. But either way, I, I mean, that's that could be such a big piece for him. It could also be something that tears everything apart again. I don't, I don't really know about the Colts. I just know that I'm so low on Tennessee this year to start at least that I just don't think they have the upside. So that's why I chose Indy over them. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually am right there with you. I had Indy at number three for me as well. Uh, Before getting into the Titans, I agree. I think, you know, with the whole division, you've seen it. Uh, They've all, every team in that division has hit reset at quarterback. And I think Tennessee, they're just realizing that that does need to happen sooner or later. So taking a chance on a couple guys in the last few years in the respective drafts. Now, as for the Colts, though, I do think that their roster is pretty solid in a lot of aspects. The defense uh, still has some notable names. The offensive line is a unit of strength that, you know, especially during those Andrew Luck years, they realized that was a big Achilles heel for them. So they really put a lot into building that up. But last year it was just really banged up and was not the same kind of unit. Jonathan Taylor was having difficulty running the ball. Matt Ryan was a shell of himself. Actually, in 12 games last year, he took 
38 sacks. So between where they're going to be this year and where they were last year, certainly going to be a different style of quarterback. But speaking of that new quarterback, Anthony Richardson, I will say that's one reason for me that I have the Colts a little bit further down on my list for the AFC South. Watching them extensively last year, uh, you know, first week of the season, he looked like he was going to win the Heisman. And he had some highs, but they were really a, a number of moments last year for Richardson that leaves me cautious to buy too much stock into it because he's incredibly gifted as an athlete, but he just looked so raw at times last year. So, I mean, really, it's going to come down to how he develops, how quickly that happens. There's a world in which Richardson does come out and is just incredibly strong as a runner and they can build their offense around that. But until I see that, that he can actually really move the ball as a passer, I just feel like the offense can be kind of limited in his early development. Yeah, he he was just so inconsistent as a thrower last year. I mean, there would be times where he would be rolling out to his right, he'd drop a dime 40 yards down the field, and then he'd come back, he'd try to throw like a slant, and it'd be 10 yards over the guy's head. Um, it just it, it was so up and down that I agree, you, you want to see more of of him as a passer for sure before you get too high. But um, as we both know, the the potential is definitely there. Yeah, and I think you've heard and you had heard uh, comparisons to Cam Newton. So I did take a look back at the 2011 Panthers, uh, his rookie year, Cam Newton's, and how much that offense changed over the season and, you know, how they really kind of started to lean on him more as a runner down the stretch. I think that's really where he found most of his success was toward the end of the season. So I think just using it as something of perhaps a model that Indy could be following uh, in that, you know, maybe like trying to figure it out. And then toward the end of the season, it kind of starts to click. And those Panthers were six and 10. So I honestly would probably estimate a similar neighborhood for the Colts uh, this year. So, yeah, I, I think, I don't know. Do you think Gardner Minshew will start the first few games? Honestly, I think Gardner Minshew is a nice high-end backup, but I think the whole idea is to just get Richardson going because he needs it. And, I mean, it's going to be trial by fire. I like, I mean, Minshew offers you a pretty high floor, but, I mean, Richardson is the guy. Right, right, yeah. But, and just lastly on the Colts, I mean, I could definitely see them being a candidate for, you know, they could find a streak at the end of the season, get hot, make their way into the playoffs, but they could absolutely be a team that is picking in the top four or five next year, in my opinion. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no other two ways about it. I agree. Yeah. Well, it looks like then we both have the Titans number four. Mm -hmm. What made you feel that way about Tennessee? Well, so I actually didn't mind their draft, but I mean, I think Skaronsky to replace Taylor Lewan is a really good pick for them. But, I mean, they still don't know what they're – I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. you got two guys that you drafted in the last two years, neither of them first-round picks, but both with – you know, they do have high upside. There is a high ceiling on both of them. But do, do they have – I mean, do you feel confident that they're going to reach it? I don't right away. I don't know. Tennessee's never been known to have, like, a great quarterback since Steve McNair. So, um, you know, just – seen kind of the limited upside what they'd get this year and then i mean i just don't know what they're doing they're so stuck between a rock and a hard place that i just i can't put them anywhere else but 
last in this division. Yeah, I that was my school of thought as well, just in the sense of it's hard to exactly place where they are because at least with the offense, you know, they've definitely retooled it and it looks like they're actually being honest about resetting and um, importing new players. And you've seen that. But with the defense, they've kind of kept it intact. You know, they've let a couple guys go over the years. After letting Bud Dupree go, they're looking for somebody to pair opposite Harold Landry. But, you know, just looking at the roster in general, it really caught my eye, the longevity that they have at certain positions and the longevity that they do not. Derrick Henry and Kevin Bayard were both drafted in the 2016 draft in the second and third round, respectively. So, you know, those are the longest tenured players. But outside of that, it's a lot of new faces, and it seems like they've kind of been really putting together the roster with a lot of outside parts. And it just seems like, I don't know, it, it'll be interesting to see if that model does hold up. Um, but it, it seems like, yeah, they're really trying to fix the offense, rebuild the offense, but maintain some identity on the defense. Yeah, and, you know, that could work out. It just won't work out this year, at least in terms of like a long, like a, you know, a wide success range. I think that this year that offense is going to have growing pains and that'll just lead to mediocrity as a whole. Um you hope their defense can stay, you know, as good as it is with, you know, still got Mike Vabrell as a head coach. He's a really good head coach. And hopefully they keep him around through these kind of retooling the offense years. Because um, to me, it's going to be more than one or two. So, Well, and last year they started out seven and three mm-hmm. and took a right. nosedive. Right. And actually, on that same note, the Jags started out three and seven. and turn it around so just interesting to kind of see that interesting parallel but yeah furthermore to your point uh the kind of growing pains that the offense could experience I think that's absolutely going to you know be a determining factor in how far they can actually go but I do think given the state of the AFC South and why you know we have two sides to every team I think that we're looking at um is it is still winnable Oh, yeah. So it makes sense why they haven't totally blown the whole thing up, but it seems like they're kind of clinging to the Derrick Henrys and the Kevin Bayards and the Ryan Tannehills. But I mean, honestly, at this point next year, at least Henry and Tannehill could absolutely be gone. So right. and they already tried to get Bayard to take a pay cut. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's all I got on Tennessee. Yeah, me as well. Well, we have the AFC South ranked in terms of what we see and what we're expecting to see with Jacksonville. And then the Houston Texans and Indianapolis and then Tennessee Titans. So we're both on the same page there. That was kind of nice going into that episode. Yeah. Good to know that our heads are in the same place. Yeah. And so, again, it's, I, I just want to reiterate this isn't necessarily, at least for me, it's not necessarily where I truly think they'll finish as a whole, just where I like kind of rank where they're at going forward. No, definitely. I think it it is an overall picture of, yeah, where they are going forward and, yeah, kind of what to expect, taking some of the schedule into account and all of that as well. Well, we can segue and move into another segment. You and I were talking about some players that we may expect or wouldn't be surprised to see traded at some point between now and even the trade deadline, just because I think, you know, for certain teams, they find themselves in a certain position, whether that's on the upward or the downward trajectory. 
and around the trade deadline, things can start to get a little hot. So I can definitely start off. I will just segue. I will just transition from the Titans that we were just talking about and throw out Derrick Henry as a name who could potentially be traded by the uh, trade deadline for me, just because he's playing on the last year of a contract. He's about to turn 30 in January over the course of his career. He's averaging almost 19 touches per game. So the Titans have really, really used him uh, to the fullest. So I just think kind of the things that we were just talking about in the sense of if they find themselves really struggling and needing to hit the reset quicker, uh, Henry could be a name that gets moved. That's a great point. I didn't even think about Derrick Henry, but absolutely could be, especially depending on where the Titans are about week five, week six. Um, if they're in the position where the Jags were last year at three and seven or whatever they were, uh, you know, you don't see Tennessee with that franchise quarterback that might be able to turn that around. I mean, and at least from what we know now, but so they could absolutely just be sellers that, which actually I'm going to segue into who I think, and I, it's actually Kevin Bayard. I think, you know, you've already asked him to take a pay cut. You know, if you are going to go the route of, you know, a rebuild, you know, that's a great guy to get off your books and you could get a pretty decent haul for him because he's still a really good player. So um, that that's my that's my uh, my first one, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's always easy to be on the outside and think about players, but just thinking about teams, I think that's the way that I approach this exercise is thinking about where a certain team might be during that point in the season uh, where the trade deadline does approach. And I'll just throw out one or two more scenarios, and that's if the L.A. Rams find themselves in a very leaky boat. Uh, Just given the state of that roster, what we've already discussed, the youth movement that is clearly underway, and yeah, Stafford goes down, something happens, Donald goes down. I mean, if things start to really nosedive, uh, I could absolutely see a guy like Cooper Cup, uh, even Aaron Donald. I mean, it seems far-fetched to say, but it's the Rams, and I think, honestly, anything is on the table for L.A., especially if they're selling to themselves and secretly to their fan base that they're playing for next year, and that could be the L.A. kid and Caleb Williams. I have one. Okay. Chase Young. They didn't mm. pick up the fifth-year option, and, you know, sure, they could still sign him to an extension, but, I mean, if they're not doing well this year, I mean, they could try to scoop up a first-round pick for him. You know, before let someone, you know, take him before the he hits the open market, try to get him on, you know, a better deal. But whoever trades for him is also going like he's going to be grateful to that team. And he's probably going to be like, well, hey, you pay me. I'll, I'll definitely stay. I don't really care where I go. So that's a great one. Yeah. yeah I like that. It's just so like I get he had injuries, but like when he plays, he is so good that. You know, it's, I can't believe they didn't pick up that option. I mean, he's number two overall pick, but in a pretty good class, right? At that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I love that pick for sure. Because, and just to your point, knowing where maybe not only Washington might be, but where other teams might be as well. The Rams last year almost traded for Brian Burns, and they were going to give up multiple first round picks. I know that they're at different points in their career production wise, but. 
Yeah, I mean, I was going to almost say a second round, but you're not wrong. I mean, a first round pick to the right team, it could absolutely be something that's on the table. Yeah, especially like, I mean, if you can recoup like a late first round pick, which is most likely what it would be. Um, I mean, you can always package that with your pick and move up or a team I mean, like the Saints. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who are just aggressive, right? And they just right. like, yeah, I could absolutely see it. Mm hmm. I mean, hell, even yeah. a, I mean, even like uh, like a team like the Jaguars or something, maybe mm-hmm. could absolutely mm-hmm. add him to that defense. You know, out another up and coming guy to an up and coming team, like kind of what you saw when Khalil Mack, what well, what they thought was going to happen when they went to the Bears. The Bears were supposed to be up and coming, and I mean, he was good for him, obviously, but uh, you know, it's the Bears; it doesn't pan out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's that's definitely a great one. I do like that. That could absolutely be a name to watch for sure. Cool. Well, I feel like that's a pretty good place to wrap up as we went through the AFC South, did a nice little exercise on discussing some players that may be moved before the trade deadline. Uh, With that being said, thanks for listening to episode 11 of the Outside Zone podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and thanks for listening. And we hope that you like and subscribe.